Okay, Jeremy. All right. Um, actually, we're kind of need a moment. I just need to make sure Rudy is on the correct Zoom link. Uh, let's just send that over. Okay, uh, sent that over. And maybe while we're waiting for a moment for uh, Rudolf Hammerly to join us, uh, just wanted to mention too, uh, for today, just the overall structure of the uh, Cosmo Local presentations we're going to have um, uh, two events or, or, or two portions of, of the afternoon event. And that will be, um, first of all, at as soon as our morning sessions conclude, uh, at 12-ish noon, I'm supposing we're stretching clock time a little bit today, um, Pacific time or 3 p.m. here uh, in Eastern time, uh, we're going to be having Sam Hins talk about communal reverie, early gropings toward imaginal aperspectivity through interactive imagination. And then we're going to be talking about, I've just simply labeled it the unthinkable present. Um, and that will just be open dialogue, a little bit like what we just did, uh, conversational. There can be poetry sharing if we feel so called. And uh, we will be exploring just some of the conference themes and impressions, integrations. Um, and then also where to go from here um, and, and what to, how to plug in, how to engage with Kepser. So if you're, if you're kind of new, um, especially, I recommend that you join us for, for both of those sessions. And let's just see here. Is Rudy on the call? Not sure if you can see Lisa on your end. Okay, I don't see Rudolph quite yet. Um, do you want to take another question or two while, uh, while I try to reach out to him? Sure, does anybody have uh, a question for, uh, oh, it looks like Karen has another question. Go ahead, Karen. Actually, this is, isn't so much a question as just, just an enthusiastic comment to the poem that Aaron just read to us. Let me just, I, I thank you, Aaron. Thank you for posting that link. I called it up and let me just, there are a couple of lines, the end, the last few lines that you read, let me see. We, we can only hope that in the effortless form of greater release that now undulates upon us, Comma. All this human tribulation will become increasingly transparent and transfigure itself. Well, that's very deeply personally meaningful to me because, I mean, we are in this great transformation of era that Gebser um, 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 envisioned. It's, I mean, it, it, we are in the thick of it now globally, we're in, in its paroxysms. And 
I noted, Aaron, that when you introduced this, you said he wrote it in 1945 and 46. Was that right? Yes. Yes, because and that I mean, I mean, it was particular that 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 portion was particularly resonant to me because he lived through, I mean, he lived through World War One. This, you know, the, the 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 he barely escaped from Spain with his life during the Franco Revolution. And then he lived through World War Two. And just how much suffering can you experience in a human lifetime? And he wrote this poem just as World War Two was ending. And it was a catastrophe in Europe. I mean, it's hard for those of us who were born after World War II to envision just the enormity of what these people went through. And that Gebser coming through this had a vision that somehow, and this is to me also a very deep mystical insight that somehow all the suffering that we go, go through will transform and transmute into something transcendent that takes us, you know, that opens us to the origin, um, so so hopeful. And anyway, anyway, I just since I just wanted to to share that that I, I find it very meaningful that this that this poem was written in forty five and forty six. Right. Yeah. Now he wrote most of his his important long form poems around the same time, like nineteen forty four, oh, forty five. Wow. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's it is worth like bearing in mind, like you say, that, you know, this is the, the kind of fertile aftermath of, of all that destruction yeah, out of which these, these flowers are blooming. Yes. I, uh, I just want to let us know, Ru Rudolph is here, so maybe we can transition to um, our panel. And we're going to be talking a bit more about the poetry and, and uh, translation work as well. So uh, we'll circle back to that as well. Um, okay. So Lisa, if you could just pin uh, Rudy, myself, and Aaron, and then we'll get started here. All right, welcome. Um, this is the kind of the capstone of our conference here today, and I'm really glad to have all three of you. Um, welcome, especially Rudy. Uh, I haven't um, had the pleasure of uh, seeing you at Gabesburg conferences before, but I know Jeremy has. Um, Aaron, it's good to see you too. Um, I guess you guys have a really, um, you've, you've got a plan, so I hand it over. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa. And uh, um, first of all, let me just do a brief introduction. You've, you've heard Aaron's intro. John had a very thorough and very good one, but I'll, I'll just mention that, first of all, Aaron is a uh, former president of the uh, U.S. Gebser Society, uh, publisher at Rubido Press, uh, Gebser translator, uh, friend, 
And uh, Rudolf Hammerly, uh, for those who do not know, is, uh, well, Cordelia was mentioning this earlier as well, but uh, Rudolf Hammerly is the publisher of Novalis and uh, the publisher of Gepser's collective works. He's the archivist for Gepser. He's the president of the Gepser Society in, in uh, Switzerland, in Bern, Switzerland, and uh, involved in various projects, most recently the uh, an annotated collected works uh, of Gepser. It's a republishing of Gepser's works in German with annotations, uh, Kronos Verlag. And uh, you can find more on, uh, on the, ho the homepage that we're going to be sharing. Uh, but first of all, let me just welcome you both. It's, it's great to be here with you finally uh, talking about uh, Gepser. Oh, uh, Rudy, uh, you got to unmute. <laughs> Let's see. Now you get me. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> Rudolph, Aaron, welcome. <laughs> and, and it's an honor to have you both present, and, and Rudolph, particularly, it's an honor to have you here with us in this international context, uh, bringing together Gipsarians across the world, and obviously the the, the legacy and the work that you've done um, bringing Gipser into the present um, is just uh, invaluable. So, first of all, thank you. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you for the invitation, Jeremy, and Aaron, you as well. Um, yeah. So, so we had a few themes we wanted to explore and un unpack together today. Um, first of all, can everybody see us okay uh, in terms of video? Okay, good, good. Excellent. So I thought we might start off uh, with Rudolf. And um, as this conference is a conference about origins and tracing our origins, um, we thought it was very appropriate maybe to begin to explore with Rudolf with your connection to Gepser um, and any kind of personal stories that you might want to share about how you came to discover Gepser's work how you came to know him personally and uh, and anything else you would like to share. So maybe we can begin, begin there. Okay. Yes, let's see. The person is important um, as it is the work itself. And um, especially with Gebser um, in his main work, uh, the ever-present origin at, towards the end, he's speaking about daily life. And that's what the one chapter, uh, important one. And uh, daily life, it's where it happens. And uh, where integral consciousness is um, being embodied. And um, so the person is important. And so um, I understand that you're interested in uh, hearing a little bit more about the person behind uh, the work. Um, yes, I had the op opportunity to um, meet him and to um, meet him many times in his last three, four years of his life. Um, that is not so much, but on the other hand, uh, for me, it is much. And it is also um, the end of his life. So um, uh, you see a little bit the result <laughs> where somebody um, is. Um, and um, yes, I tell you a little bit um, about my memories of Gebser, if I may. Um, yes, um, I 
met him in my early 20s. I was a youngster and he was um, already um, 60 and more. And so uh, for me, I was seeing an uh, old man. Um, um, I was not alone. I was uh, invited with a bunch of young people all my age. And we were gathering in uh, the house of um, Gebser in his apartment, actually. And uh, um, the book, the last book he published, uh, The Invisible um, Origin, was just uh, out, uh, was just uh, um, published. And so we had the opportunity to ask questions about this book and also uh, to uh, say whatever. Uh, interested interest us about his work. So um, I was part of this crowd and um, uh, interesting um, observation, uh, interesting memory I think I want to share is when I came from the street and um, with, that, with this uh, life of a youngster in the late 60s, uh, being, uh, yes, um, uh, early 70s, um, with a foggy mind, with um, um, this complete upheaval, turmoil. Um, uh, I was in anxieties about life, um, ideals, uh, and uh, everything should be uh, changed uh, now and uh, immediately. So uh, when I um, came in, in this apartment, I, it felt like coming to an island. And this was an island of quietness, not heavy quietness. It was light and serene and um, a festive atmosphere. Um, you couldn't help to become calm and <laughs> a little bit um, happy. Um, this happened to me, and so I left behind all my worries and uh, thoughts and so on, and uh, was uh, part now of this uh, circle um, asking questions. And there is another thing I want to share, and puzzling experience I had. Um, he was not explaining much. He was not lecturing. He was not... Um, he, it seemed he had no message almost. And uh, so when, when we asked the question, um, he would answer it uh, with three, four sentences, a little bit more maybe, but he would, would not start with the keyword, now here comes my theory. No. So I was um, a little bit disappointed, I must say. And um, because I was a student and I, expected to be lectured somehow. And uh, when I asked the question, I had the feeling, did he really understand what I said? And um, that was strange because he was saying something, um, was it coherent what he said? And then that was a big thing. Um, afterwards, and uh, pretty soon I um, became aware that he was not uh, um, answering my question. He was answering me as a person. And this was a, a big experience, almost transforming experience I had. 
because I noticed, hi, he was seeing me. And as, as a young guy, you don't know who you are. Maybe later on, you don't know either. But uh, you don't know who you are. And somebody sees you. And so this is an awakening moment. And um, you think, oh, something's going on here. And also in um, all uh, other um, encounters I had with him, visits I had, um, he never talked much. That was uh, strange because I thought he has to say so much. In his work, I learned things. But there he was giving, when he was, when you were with you, he was telling you a story, yes. He was giving you hints. He was giving you this or that um, idea, just um, like that, an indication here or there. Then he was also talking about important things, unimportant things, the same way. <laughs> this was also puzzling. Uh, uh, without um, any um, big uh, difference in the tone he was speaking about it. Now this is maybe one um, thing, one, one, one story, one, one um, um, aspect uh, which was important for me. I could share, but I could also maybe add two more episodes, if you like. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yes. Um, in my, um, at my um, very early wedding, I was 21 when I married, uh, very early wedding, uh, Gaps was giving me Ursprung und Gegenwart, the ever-present origin, as a present. And um, he, has, he has given us this book um, uh, to, to, to me and my wife. And um, I um, uh, heard him saying, um, yes, the title, Ursprung und Gegenwart. This is already everything. So he said, uh, origin and present, this is everything. So it was like a joke because he was smiling and this joke meant if you understand the title, you don't, you don't uh, uh, have the need to read all the 800 pages and all the, 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 uh, the notes and so on. Um, you are invited to read it, but if you got it, and uh, then uh, when I was reading the whole thing, uh, in the end, he says, Ursprung ist Gegenwart, uh, towards the end. And if you um, live out of that, that Ursprung, that origin is present, then of course you don't need 800 pages um, or more. Um, you uh, can read them and uh, it's, it's fun. But um, yes, so this joke had a long time effect. It still comes to my mind. And I'm uh, a little bit shocked about what he said. And I think it was great. So uh, maybe the last um, thing I want to tell tonight, uh, for me, is it's uh, evening. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I was there when Gebser was dying. And um, I was there. Every day he was dying in between uh, a week or so. Um, 
Um, he was already very ill uh, with his lungs, but you, do, you wouldn't uh, notice it because he was so cheerful and happy. So you don't have, you, you didn't have um, um, a person in front of you who was suffering, <laughs> but he was ill. And um, so um, he was dying and uh, he had a hard time breathing. He couldn't breathe um, normally, so he, he needed oxygen. And so my job was to bring uh, bottles of oxygen um, every morning and exchange the old bottle and replace it. And so that he could breathe with the equipment he had. And he was lying there on the bed and it was clear for him, I'm going to die. And um, so I was there every day and um, we had a, a talk every time once he forgot completely time and he, he was uh, talking with me uh, the whole morning but the day before he died he couldn't uh, really speak anymore and so he um, was giving me a slip of paper a small slip of paper and uh, on this slip, uh, piece of paper was just written one word and the word was gift Gift, English und Deutsch. Gift means in German poison. And uh, yes, and it's the same spelling, the same pronunciation. And uh, so I was there with this little paper and he looked at me with his inten intense look and he was smiling and he was checking whether I got it or not. <laughs> and uh, then, um, yes, it dawned on me that he was speaking about his dying and uh, that he um, told me somehow that yes, his body was being poisoned by the illness. He was uh, already quite yellow in his face, but that um, uh, death, dying was also a gift, something given uh, for which he was grateful and you could see that. And so um, when I, he saw that I understood, he turned smiling, he turned his face away and was lying there in silence. And this is um, something uh, that was really deep for me, um, this acceptance. And uh, yes, so um, that's how it was. And uh, I, you asked me already also, um, how did I get this job about uh, publishing his books? Um, yes, reason enough if you met him. Uh, but uh, I, uh, there is, was also um, um, Gebs's wife who was giving, uh, she, was, she was teaching meditation in, in Bern and she was um, giving uh, sessions of body work. And I was um, first knowing her and was introduced by her to. To, I, I knew a, a little bit his books, but I didn't know him. So uh, through her and with uh, the uh, collaboration with Yogi Epser, um, we started this project of uh, the Gesamtausgabe, the collected work. And this uh, came out one volume after the other, year by year. And she died and was, I was continuing the thing until um, it was finished. So that's maybe enough for the moment. <laughs>
Yeah, thank there's, you. Yeah, thank you. There's there's so much there. Um, Jeremy, do you mind if I please comment? please? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have so much I could say about that. But the, the first thing, um, I mean, I've seen that note in the Gesamtausgabe about the gift, you know, and that amused me at the time because I. But I, I didn't know the, the background to that story, which you just told, which is actually quite fascinating. But in um, about 15 years ago, I, I took ayahuasca for the first time. And during my ex deep in the experience, um, I had there was a whole insight, which was pivoting on the pun, the dual language pun of poison as gift. I was being bitten by mosquitoes at the time. And I'm like, I was sort of going, well, it's okay. All they want is some of my blood. And in return, they give me some poison. And their poison is a gift. And in that moment, I realized that, yeah, the play, uh, German gift means, means poison. But, you know, this crystallized a, a whole series of insights for me uh, that I carry with me to this day. Uh, about um, everything that we take as a, a poison or a negativity is secretly a, a gift, you know, it's secretly a medicine. And that's, you know, a very deep kind of alchemy when you can transform the, the poisons that are given to you into medicines. Uh, so that's, a, that's the uh, first thing I wanted to say. Uh, it's, it's, incredibly personal for me. Um, the other thing, um, you know, just getting back to what you were talking about, um, about daily life and the simplicity, I, 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 I completely agree with you about Orsprung and Gegenwart being, if you understand that title, uh, it, it says everything. And I think Gebser in one of his last Think one of the last things he wrote, he said something to the effect of, in the end, everything is simple. And um, I do, you know, more and more, like, I mean, Gebser is so complex, his writings, but I think more and more, if you actually understand what origin is, and if that can be present for you, um, that's, that's all, that, that contains it all, that is the whole. And uh, you know, and, and like you said, Rudy, he says that at the end, but I think, I think one, of the first, one of the first chapters, I think he begins by saying, uh, origin is ever present, you know, and it's, it's all right there. Uh, so, and, you know, I think the idea of origin being present um, really gets to the idea of time and the acronon, you know, and freedom type, uh, type Freiheit or, or freedom from time. You know, that's the kind of key to making our origin, which we normally conceive as something in the past mm. and, and making, making it actually present. Mm. Yeah, well, well said, Aaron, as well. I, I um, for, for me, I, I very much love the, the first page of the translated ever-present origin. And I mentioned that all the time in conversation yeah. with folks as, as the imparting of the ever-present origin is right there on the first page. The whole book is right there. 
Um, so I, I've had a similar experience, uh, uh, Rudolph, in, in a in a maybe uh, fragmentary way of engaging with Gepser for the first time as a 20, 21-year-old reading Everpresent Origin on the train that I borrowed from the library, the big hardcover trans translated edition by Noel Barstead. And um, yeah, just just the, the sense that everything was here and it had an effect. It, it had an effect that I, that I immediately was like, this book is imparting something that I can't articulate and I have to stick with it. I have to stay here. I have to be present with this book and with this author um, because he's talking about something. There's an efficacy in his imparting of integrality that is alive in those words. And so um, I've jokingly, but maybe not so much now, um, have, have mentioned to my students that it might be good to use ever-present origin as, as something like a koan or um, a sort of spiritual mantra to just play with that it's simple and everything really is there. Um, maybe we can use this moment to transition a little to, to Aaron's work. Uh, now, Aaron is, as I mentioned, the publisher for Rubido Press. And within that, there is uh, the Gepser Project. And so this is a long-term project of translating Gebser's works. And if you were listening to the last segment, you got a little taste of, of Aaron's translation of Gebser's poetry. Um, but Aaron, if you'd like to speak a little bit to that project and, and anything else you would like to add and, and to weave in, that would be great. Right. Well, I guess, you know, the background for me was coming to Gebser as a... Um, okay, I, I came to Gebser because it personally grabbed me, you know, and anything I do as a scholar um, is not separate from, you know, my personal involvement and my own philosophical quest. So, uh, and so I wanted to, you know, I think, I think it was 2003, I was doing my honors thesis at the time. And I used to visit this, this, this esoteric bookshop a friend of mine owned and, uh, he was a he was a very big Jungian. We would talk about Jung and all sorts of things all the time. And but he'd always bring you know he'd always hand me new books. And one day he just handed me the Everpresent Origin, and he said he said Jung saw no, he said Jung was good. Jung was great, but Gebs just saw over the hill. <laughs> and I just cracked it open. And I think I was doing my honors thesis on magic and the imagination at the time. So I cracked it open and I looked at, I just read what he said about magic. I cracked it open to the magic chapter and read the, where he's talking about the etymology of magic. And I'm like, all right, this is solid. I, I, I'm, I'm sold. Um, and yeah, from there, um, I think the next year I started my PhD thesis and I, I basically put Gebser, uh, I put two figures at the center of it, Gebza and René Schwab de Lubitsch, who was a, a French hermetic philosopher, both who have a lot of similarities in dealing with consciousness. And uh, anyway, uh, but I started just engaging Gebza, you know, in, I wanted to read uh, Gebza in German. So I think that following year, I went to Europe and literally dragged the collected works back with me. And so since then, and that was maybe 2005, um, I've been kind of immersed in Gebs's German uh, off and on, not, not continually, but um, 
and yeah, I've I've done a lot of translating of bits and pieces here and there over time, and um, that that that's just grown to the point where I, um, once I founded Rubido Press, and when was that? Five or six years ago. Um, I you know part of the impetus for that was was the desire to bring some of Gabs's works out in German, and not maybe maybe all of them, um, and. So the status of that project now is that, um, let's see, we've got, we've got Rilke in Spain, fully translated. That's Gebs's first book on, on the poet Rilke. And that's the really, that's the, the book where you see Gebs are engaging poetry as, and Rilke as this breakthrough into Another world, you know, a new realm of consciousness is opening up through Rilke. That's that's, that's kind of what Gebser saw, and uh, but um, and I've got a collection of his poems. One of one of which I read a section from earlier. Uh, those long form poems that he wrote in the mid nineteen forties. I've translated most of those, plus some earlier poems. So. I just want to put out a collection of his his poetry, self-standing, because I think the poetic origins of Gebza are incredibly important. So um, anchoring him in Rilke and, and in his own poetic work, I think is is really a really significant counterbalance to the very philosophical, dense intellectual work, which we know and love. Um, and apart from those two, projects I've got. Um, I do have a translation that's almost ready of the transformation of the West, one of his early, earlier philosophical books. But um, more important than that is his, one of his later books, The Invisible Origin, which um, is, we're working on a translation of as well. And um, so those are in different stages of completion, but I think the real first book and the, the poetry collection will be coming out hopefully early next year. Uh, this year has been, they were meant to come out this year, but this year has just been insane. So, um, and the other thing I'm working on concurrently with all that is uh, a kind of a, a biographical Book. So I've got a long form article online, which explores Gebs's life and work. And it's really just that, that piece, um, that piece growing, you know, that, that, that wanted to, it's, it was too long for an article anyway, I wanted to be more. So um, I've expanded that into a book. And um, that is that is pretty close too, and it still needs a little bit more research. And one of the things I'm hoping to do, uh, well, I was hoping to do at the end of this year, but um, it might have to wait till early next year, is to to come to uh, back to get go back to Europe and do some more archival research and, uh, and really sort of drill down on some of the the finer details of Gebs's life and work, and you know the stuff that really just told us is, is gold. You know, that is, that is already that, that, um, that uh, you know, ties so many things together for me. So I, I'm really looking forward to, to that work. Cause for me, 
you know, it's, and it's like what Rudy said about uh, daily life, you know, how do we live and embody integral consciousness? Like it's, it's very, it's fine to have all this very cerebral theory, but how do you, how do you be it? And so I was always interested in Gebser as a, as a, as a living being, like how did, how did his life, how did, how did these ideas come to him through his life? How did, you know, where did that, where do those ideas fit into his biography? Uh, Cause you know, that's, I, you know, and I sort of turn this back on myself because my own work is part of my own philosophical and mystical quest, you know? So I wanted to see how that, um, how that looked for him, how that, you know, what that looked like. Um, so for me, it's, it's not strictly biographical. It's more getting at the whole being and how, how one can bring the integral into an embodied uh, daily life. Yes. Yes. Um, before I jump back to, to, to Rudolph, I wanted to highlight that because if there is any takeaway from, from teaching Gebser over the past few years, it has been the experiential dimension of working with Gebser's writing, even in translation. And, and we can speak about this, Rudolf and Aaron, uh, what shines through the translation, right? It, that, that there seems to be a sense of transparency, whether it's in German or if it's in English, um, that imparts something and is present there in the writing and is able to make that leap across language. Um, maybe, yeah, as you're speaking, Gepser's presence, his being, um, which is a, an invitation into this integral being and this integral embodiment. Um, I guess my question, and we could jump to, maybe we'll go to Rudolph for this. Um, yeah, I... I hmm. How to exactly frame it, Rudolph? I was thinking of this—the anecdote you shared with us before we did our panel on uh, Noel Barstead and his oh. coming to translate um, *Ever Present Origin*. Uh, I would love to hear, maybe, if you'd like to share that with with everyone, because it kind of speaks to this challenge and art of translation. Okay. Yes. Um, it goes back to. Um, 75. <laughs> 75, I was at the Gebser conference in uh, Athens, Ohio, uh, really, really uh, still a baby. And I was accompanying um, um, the widow of Gebser. Gebser died uh, 73. And um, we met there, um, August Mikunas, um, uh, who was uh, chairman of this conference, and also um, Barshat and many more. Um, and so um, I think there, uh, in this year and there, um, started the idea of translating Ursprung und Gegenwart. But behind this um, is, uh, this I have to mention, is also um, another figure um, who was not there in Athens, but who was uh, expected to be there, couldn't come. This is Lama Govinda, and Lama Govinda was a, had a deep friendship uh, with um, Gebser, and he, I have read um, in the archives um, the letter exchange between the two, and uh, there you see how much Lama Govinda wanted um, um, wanted that Gebser's work will be published 
into English because he knew from his own experience that the English world is uh, vaster and uh, uh, more important than just uh, to have this work in German. And he actually wanted also to, to bring Gebser himself to the States to lecture um, and be a professor. And uh, he had arranged everything uh, for Dallas, actually, the university in Dallas. And uh, uh, this uh, couldn't happen because, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, Gebser was already too, um, had poor health and couldn't, couldn't go. But he pushed hard, Lama Govinda, that um, um, this will be translated, it will be um, present in the, in, in, in the English world. And uh, so um, I was there when uh, Bashat um, was uh, starting this translation and he was uh, almost discouraged from the, at the beginning because he thought, how can I translate? Uh, Bashat is fluent um, in, uh, in German. He um, speaks without making mistakes and uh, very knowledgeable about uh, German literature. So he knew the nuances and uh, all the shades of um, uh, Gebser's language, could perceive it. And now how can we translate it? So I give you an example. And this is the title again, Kursprung und Gegenwart. I was present when I was there, when um, uh, in Neuwarstadt and uh, Jo Gebser were discussing this title and they were saying, um, present, uh, origin and present. Uh, this is maybe okay, literally, but that's not good because present is not so encompassing, so vast, um, rich in meaning than Gegenwart because Gegenwart is also, um, um, you might not be conscious uh, uh, as a German uh, native speaker, but uh, there is something in it that means entgegenwarten, that means um, waiting for something to come, being open for it, um, being in an attentive way, open for things that want to um, show itself. And this is uh, in this word gegenwart uh, too, not just, so they said maybe origin and presence, is that better? Then, um, came this title, The Ever-Present Origin. And I know now, because I've read all these letters, that Lama Govinda, already when Gebser was um, alive, suggested exactly this title. Adobe. It's, I, I mean, Bashat did a wonderful job. Um, he put his life energy in this translation for two years, I think, or more. But um, the title, I think, uh, came from Lama Govinda. <laughs> I think it's wonderful this title, The Ever-Present Origin. And um, uh, the last thing I want to say, and this I uh, say also to encourage uh, Aaron, who has this project of translating things out of his experience, inner experience of Gebster, and this is the, the good predisposition to do it. Um, um, I want uh, to quote um, a German um, poet um, of the time of Rilke Hofmannsthal, he said, Jedes Übersetzen ist ein Untersetzen. Uh, in short, and not really translated, uh, every translation is a reduction, is a reduction. And this might be true, but it's the, the opposite is also true. I have, have the experience 
And many times, I think the translation of text I know in German, English or Spanish, it um, shows me something I didn't see. Because translating means also um, bringing the meaning into another uh, language. It's transferring it. I think translating is great. Um, it's not a reduction. It can be a re reduction. We know, all know that because uh, origin present present wouldn't be so uh, great, but it would be a reduction, yes. But um, uh, the other thing is more important that um, a translation can bring forth um, even the meaning of something even better. We need, then we need both, but uh, it's not just a translation. And uh, you, you are the best example in Germany that you understood the nuances of uh, Gebser through the, the, the translation and uh, the language, the poetic language. You got it. I, I saw it in your book. Um, and uh, this means the translation could transport it, could transfer it. And I think also that um, Aaron uh, Cheek is, uh, is doing it. And that's great. Yeah, I like that idea of transmission rather than translation. You know? uh, I mean, I, I often think of the word um, Hermeneus, which is the word we get hermeneutics from, but it's also related to the word Hermes, you know, the god of translation. And uh, but it's just yeah, it's um, it's it's you know, it's interpretation as much as translation and, but, but fundamentally transmission, you know? And as long as you're transmitting that essence, um, I think other, the other thing should be, should be flexible enough to be, to be conduits for, for that transmission. Yeah, I wanted to, uh... Uh, jump back to to Rudolph for uh, kind of a, our closing portion um, of our panel here, uh, because Rudolph, when we were speaking about this panel, uh, you shared with us a kind of distillation of of, of your working with Gepser, right, uh, into these four pillars, and I think that would be really nice to to share with everyone before we um, conclude today. Okay, um, gladly. Um, yes, um, I was just. To prepare a little bit uh, this uh, panel, I was uh, um, thinking, what is the essence? What is now and here the essence of Gebser uh, after all these years um, um, reading Gebser? And uh, yes, you said four pillars. And um, I start with the first. Um, I think what you uh, also show in your book um, very well that primordial trust, that's the core of it. And I think he, uh, Gebser, in, encourages us to trust the richness of life. And that is not always easy <laughs> to be in touch with the potential and uh, with the origin and uh, with what is the source of everything. This is Urvertrauen um, or um, primordial trust. And, um, the last um, thing uh, Gebser um, uh, was, yes, openly saying in a in a speech 
is about Urangst und Urvertrauen. That's the last thing. Um, I mean, he has, he has written um, po poems, a short poem later on, but that, that was not yet published, I think, when he was still alive, but afterwards. But that was the last um, concern that we understand this. Uh, what is Urvertrauen? And to be rooted in primordial trust and to cultivate that and to encourage people to develop this being in touch. And that's uh, the, the first thing and maybe the last one. But um, I go on. Um, what I think is also crucial is um, this experience uh, Gebser had when he was um, in his late 20s and he writes about it and he uh, has talked about it in interviews um, not many times, but um, it's there, that he had this experience of beyond space and time. And this was the beginning of his whole philosophical, philosophical uh, quest. He uh, wanted to find out about this, what um, was very clear and not so much in the words, but he said, I had to work 20 years after that to, um, to write my uh, work, um, The Ever-Present Origin. So what is Zeitfreiheit? That's, uh, that comes out of this. Um, what is it? What is, um, because we are, if we follow the linear time, it's just death waiting for us. It's this Kafka story that the mouse who comes from the field into the house and into the room, and what does it find? Um, the trap in the corner, and there in the corner doesn't go in the trap, the cat who tells the mouse, turn around and come here, I eat you, and the cat eats it. That's the horror story um, of great Kafka, and it shows that the linear um, dimension of time is leading you nowhere, just in, it leads into the destruction. But Zeitfreiheit is something else we have to find out. So there may be uh, two other pillars. <laughs> um, yes, um, Gebser described the different um, structures of consciousness. And um, it's all about integration of these um, multidimensional reality. We, we, we are not one or two things. We are um, plenty. Um, and um, to find this, uh, he has this, he, he described this um, richness in, in, in Ursprung und Gegenwart. And what is this? And um, uh, he, uh, Gebser made it clear, and this is also important, um, that um, it's no, it's not, almost not allowed to fall back or, or to, 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 to uh, give in, to um, uh, go back to, to former forms of consciousness in a deficient way. Uh, a little bit of magic, a little bit of uh, mythology, it leads to war and this destruction, uh, as we see. Uh, uh, mythology is a great thing in false politics. politics. And, uh, no, we have to go forward. That means the essence of, 
of um, the mythical magic world we have to integrate in us. And that means something pulsating in us, um, some truth, which is not the rational truth. And the last one um, is uh, Ich Freiheit, the freedom of uh, the self or ego freedom. Um, I think um, I have a quote from Jeremy Johnson um, in uh, your book, um, Jeremy, Seeing Through the World. You said once, um, the gentle decentering of the mental is fantastic. The gentle decentering. That's exactly what we should do. Um, go away from this egocentric view, projecting everything into the world, complaining or, or uh, thinking I'm the center of everything. No, we are not. Absolutely not. We have to, to, to see this, uh, what you call, I think, not um, trans non-human turn or um, yes, um, meaning that um, we are together with the stones, the rocks, the rivers, the, the, the animals and other beings too, and uh, our neighbors. And this is important that we are talking now together is also something that um, uh, shows this, that we can't do it alone and going from um, um, one perspective, um, meaning my perspective um, to, to, uh, to, to do my things in the world. This is, this is unhappiness. This, this means complete unhappiness. Um, yes, I think these are the four pillars. Uh, primordial trust, um, um, beyond uh, space and time, in integration of the different um, structures of consciousness and um, going from the collective to the self, to the um, sich itself, um, decentering. <laughs> yes, this uh, is uh, what I wanted to say. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing that and imparting that, Rudolf. Um, I, I know we have to uh, uh, conclude in a, in a semi-formal way our presentation. We do have um, Michael here who is joining us from Folsom Prison. Um, he only has a limited amount of time. But before we do that, let me just say, Aaron and Rudolf, this is wonderful. Let's please do this again. Let's please continue to have this conversation. I feel like we could probably speak another hour or two. Um, so to be continued and thank you both for uh, for being here with us. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Okay, great. Um, Lisa, John, Dave, feel free to transition. And, and Rudolph and, and Aaron too, um, uh, Michael's only gonna be able to be here till five minutes to the top of the hour. So as we move beyond that, if, if you wanna stay, um, that portion of the time might be open yeah. tomorrow. I would like to stay for the for the poll. Okay. Well, that's marvelous. So I have to be masked now because I'm no longer by myself in this room. Um, it is my pleasure to do the following: to first off change the name here. So that his name appears, and to get out of the way, to introduce to you Michael Love who is from Oakland, California, is a student in the TOPS program uh, at California State University, Sacramento, 
and is currently incarcerated in Folsom State Prison. So I'm gonna get out of the chair and let him sit down and read his poem to you. So you'll be looking right there. Greetings. The title of this poem is Origins Unknown. Humanity's waste, caged in disgrace. A paradox of deficiencies, unworthy of grace. Origins unknown, through time and space I roam. Delusional conclusions manifested alone. Perpetual state of darkness, seldom glimpses of light. A boundless soul tormented every night. Humanity's waste, caged in disgrace. A paradox of deficiencies, internalized as truth. Grounded in quicksand, thus traverse my youth. A child devoid of values, where delusions begin. Bound in the steps of my soul, consciousness devoid of origin. Humanity's waste, caged in disgrace, a paradox of deficiencies, enabling primitive thought, subsequent putrefaction of my heart. Who am I? What have I become? What could I have been if origins were known? Mutations of consciousness, I'm learning, yet know nothing. A quest for that which was hidden, censored and forbidden. Empathy for the pain and suffering caused by my decision. Within my origins, truth is found. For within my truth, I will rebound. Humanity's waste recycled in place. May redemption be my saving grace. Origins known. Thank you very much. I invite everybody to unmute and uh, so Michael can hear us clapping. Wow, wow, thank you. Thank you, Michael, thank you. Beautiful. Awesome. So if I could make a request, if you have a question for Michael, could you start by identifying where in the world you're talking to him from? You can take off your mask. You can take off your mask. You can go step away. Uh, Mr. Love. Uh, yes, sir. My name is John Dotson. I'm very grateful to be with you. Uh, I also live with poetry. Thank you so much. Uh, could you state where you were born? Could you tell us where you were born? When I mean, that's a personal question. Uh, I was born in Oakland, California. Uh -huh. You've lived your whole life in, in uh, in California. Uh, no, sir. I was moved around as a child and eventually ended up in Sacramento, California. 
I'm just thinking of the specifics of your origins uh, as well as the way you have brought forth uh, the larger sense of origins. And it's, it's very powerful. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Michael, I'm Veronica. I'm in Washington, DC. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I coach prisoners, three of them, all over the country. And you people are going to help us change. I feel it. I know it. Thank you. I thank you. Um, go ahead, Jesse. Um, hi, Michael. I'm Jesse, and I'm in. I live in New York City, and um, I was I was very touched by your poem because it felt to me like you had a, a, a lived experience that you were expressing a, a lived experience of Gebser's various states of consciousness, and actually put things, some things forth that in a way that I actually hadn't thought of or experienced um, Gebser's states. So um, it's less a question that I have for you and just um, wanted to just express my appreciation for this work and for sharing this with us today. That was really quite moving and wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for the idea. Yeah. Tom, do you want to unmute? I just want to thank you, Michael. That was- Where are you from? Where, where are you uh, from? I am in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, the land of enchantment, we like to call it sometimes. Um, that was amazingly powerful. I'm, I'm fairly new. You probably have studied Gebser more than I have right now, but <clears throat> that was one of the most pure expressions I have heard of Gebser's ideas. And pure expression, but also extremely personal. And I just want to thank you. That was incredible. Thank you. Um, Danny and Royce, why don't we go in that order? Mr. Love, thank you. I'm, I'm outside of Seattle, so on the same Pacific coast. The other piece, I, it's not a question, but I just really feel how alive, you know, you want to talk about ever present. It's like how alive every single concept that you were, you know, moving around and speaking through. I'm sure it was there when you were writing it, but it's here right now. Every time I felt like every time because you were, you know, some of this, the words were repeated right, you know, or the phrases, but every single time they, it's like they were just on fire. So they're here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and Royce, go ahead. Thank you, Mr. Love. Uh, I'm in New York City. I, I practice a style of psychotherapy that's often mentioned along with Gebser, Carl Jung. And, um, You've given me a new way to conceptualize the, 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 the unfortunate, almost ever-present emptiness. The consciousness devoid of origin has 
just seared my mind. And I want to thank you very much for that and, and what you've brought us today. Thank you. So um, I'm curious, uh, Michael, I'm Lisa Morosky. I'm in um, Monterey, California, here with John. And uh, we've got David sitting here out of camera. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm curious what drew you to Gebster when, when he was presented. I was in a class uh, taking communications 100A and my professor, Dr. Zuckerman, had mentioned Gebser along with uh, some of the content of the book. And the content in which he mentioned, it just drew me to it to where I needed to look further. Um, as you know, with a, with, a, with a college class, there are some topics that are not um, expounded upon simply due to time. And um, at that time, we were taking our classes over Zoom. And so I left out of that class that day with a curiosity, and I needed to know more uh, based on what was presented. And so I contacted my family and... Um, at that time, we get a quarterly package every quarter. And I said, well, I would like not to have that package and I would like to order this book. Um, but the book was very difficult to find. And um, apparently we were able to get it, a reprint of the book and um, through Amazon. And we eventually found it and it took a little while. And when I started reading the book, I knew immediately uh, what possessed me to the book. And uh, keep in mind that I'm still not finished. I finished reading the book maybe four times already. And now I go through specific sections uh, as I'm drawn to them. And this will probably uh, occur probably for the remainder of my life here on earth because it is just that powerful. Indeed, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Do, do you, I know your time is limited, do you or... Um... Dave, have, have anything you'd like to share with us? I would just like to share that I am extremely grateful. Um, I would also like to share that, that uh, you just do not give up on us. Uh, there are some people and we've made some mistakes, but it is through programs like this um, where we're given a second chance and we appreciate that. And we do not take that for granted. And uh, we want to make this program proud and all of you proud. And I just thank you. Uh, Adam, you want to unmute? Uh, hi, Mr. Love. Uh, thank you so very much for the beautiful poetry. It's uh, absolutely moving. Um, I have a question for you. Because of your uh, uh, current situation and because of Gebser, Gebser um, uh, really focuses on the idea of time. And so I was wondering how uh, Gebser's conception of time and his ideas around time have affected you and you know, being uh, someone who is incarcerated and has uh, a lot of time to think about time. 
it was just a question for you. Well, actually, how it's affected me is that my concept of time is not what it once was to where I was counting days, counting months, counting years. Um, now it's as almost as if uh, I was locked away yesterday. Uh, the time is really not of importance to me anymore. Um, what is important is what I do with the time. Um, and so it has actually freed me in a way. Um, it, has allowed me, it has allowed me to see perspectives that I did not see before. Uh, hi, Michael. It's, uh, it's an honor to meet you, and I'm so happy that you are here and present with us. I just wanted to, uh, I'm from St. Pete, Florida, by the way. Um, just wanted to acknowledge um, my gratitude for, for you and, and, and my fellowship with you in being a fellow Gepsarian and exploring this, and, and especially what you just shared about uh, this freedom from time that, that Gepser imparts in his writing, right? That, that we can be fulfilled by time or we can fulfill time. And, and I think you're speaking to that right now. So grateful for you. So as we say goodbye to uh, Mr. Love, uh, I think we're well met. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and uh, I thank all of you. And thank you, Dave, for making this happen. Um, it, was, it was very special to, for all of us to have Mr. Love be present with us and um and speak his poem his truth well i could not have made this possible without the principal uh mr spencer who really pulled some strings with the prison system to allow this because this was very very irregular um so mr spencer is standing here but he's he's not going to step in the spotlight but i thank mr spencer um and i thank mr Lowe. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if you can hear. He just said you're welcome. <laughs> so. All right. I turn the, the uh, table back back to uh, you, Lisa. Uh, and I turn it back to Jeremy. Um, do you guys have any um, closing? Yeah, we'll, we will come back to um, Casia, but I just want to make sure that Jeremy and Aaron and uh, Rudolph have said everything they needed to say. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, Rudolph, Aaron, any reflections or any you wanted to bring anything in here and um, you're more than welcome to. Um. Well, just just in light of Mr. Love, um, you know, we talk about we're constantly talking about different kinds of freedom with Gebser. You know, time freedom, ego freedom, 
um, freedom from space. But, you know, to really, really see someone who is incarcerated and, and opening up in freedom, you know, it's a kind of freedom that can't be taken away. Like the, the freedom that origin imparts um, is, is free from time and space, you know. Um, I, and I'm thinking of people who, certain people who had, you know, grand mystical experiences of liberation while, while in prison, you know what I mean? Or, or people who wrote like Major, like or, I think Aurobindo wrote some of his writings while in prison, you know, like people who find this wellspring of origin and creativity, like rising up even when their, their physical circumstances are like literally um, inhibiting them, you know? And I think that's really profound because even if we step outside of an explicit incarceration, we look at our world and all we see uh, are the increasing restrictions and uh, obstacles, you know, to our existence. And, uh, but to find that, <coughs> liberating nature of origin in the midst of restriction incarceration that that is that is again it's coming back to this idea of like this is the the gift that's in the it's it's hidden in the poison you know how do we take this this thing that wants to restrict or even kill us and um you know turn that into liberating medicine to me, that's again the true alchemy. Thanks, Dave. Rudolf, uh, any any reflections or comments, and and we can link it back as well to our to our panel. Um, yes, um, maybe about the the poem and the poetic. Um, it was a very powerful poem. I mean. Um, Really, it was. And uh, so I think um, poetry is uh, at the end of this uh, conference, I, I, I saw on the schedule, on the program. And uh, I think the poetic um, is also named by Gebse as something that is already given us access to a new kind of consciousness. So it's not necessary, it's necessarily a poem, it's more a stance of um, perceiving the world in a poetic way. And uh, um, Aaron, you also um, tried to translate, or you did translate um, um, Das Wintergedicht, um, and uh, maybe you read us this uh, wonderful line about the stars. Oh yeah, yeah. For, for, the, for the ending of our um, panel, and um, I think the poetic as um, um, this poem we heard already did. Uh, the poetic is transcending the um, superficial uh, perception of the world. It's mm. it's going somewhere else. It's, it's, it's discovering meaning. And so please, um, Aaron, um, read us uh, out of the Wintergedicht, 
these lines about the stars. Yes, okay. Here's the passage. Um, Take it as a likeness of that final light which appeared last night upon the highest mountainside. Who even wanted to distinguish? Was it the Earth's last distant lamplight? Or was it the first star? The shining winter sky is close enough to touch. And you too are this sky. There's no reason to distinguish for all the stars flow through your veins. There's no need to hearken anymore to the, to the echo of ancient myths. For once the angels nested deep inside our heart and in their own way, brushed the hair from our brows and the dream of moon and earth melted away since we knew heaven once and for all. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Rudolph. Uh, a fitting, appropriate way to conclude uh, our conversation together today and, uh, and a fitting interjection with, with Michael Love um, bringing poetry. Uh, weaving poetry into this for us as well. I um, I suppose we should conclude and and um, I just want to mention uh, after Casia, um, there will be a Cosmo local portion, and uh, that will be on a separate Zoom link, and I'll post it here in the chat. We'll be joining uh, Sam Hins to talk about communal reverie, and I strongly recommend you join us for that portion um, at the conclusion of this. So, all right, uh, John, Lisa, do you want to? You have your paper. Right. Okay. Um, I'll introduce Casia, and um, if you need to share your screen, um, you can do that. Casia was born in Minas Gerais, Brazil, and has resided in California since 2015. She incorporates the healing process of weaving life and art to integrate the original consciousness and ever-present origin through art. From the memory body to the cosmic body, Casia recognizes herself as an artist, alchemist, student of co cosmovisions, channeling consciousness and embodying planetary mutations and transitions. She points to the process as the key to access perception and co-creation of life as a masterpiece. Arriving in California, she started the project Art Cura Lab with laboratories in her home dedicated to investigating house inhabiting rites and routines and the body as a container for experiences concerning space and practices of relating. She created installations for total immersion and multidisciplinary collaborations. Her eight rites of initiation series presents her alchemical journey in continuity with the processes of individuation and recognition of transpersonal beingness. Guided by intuitive vision, she creates and experiences disillusion and crystallization as a creative exercise. Casey, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Take it away. 
Thank you for the introduction. And um, hello, everyone. I'm very emotional right now with Mr. Love. And um, it was unexpected to me to come after this uh, subject to be part of the conference because I myself, um, I, I have a very uh, intense, direct experience with um, prison uh, through my parents, which uh, guided me to pursue and learn um, who I am and why I'm here for. And with my experience with my parents, the only way I could communicate with them um, was through letters. And in the letters, I need to find a way to communicate to them what I found that was very useful and helpful in order to create life with light. And um, that was the hope I needed to translate to them through the letters. So I'm very emotional just listening to Mr. Love and to Dave's project. <laughs> of, I, I wasn't expected that, but it got, it got me to a space of presence with my own self and uh, challenges. <laughs> and um, it gave me hope to hear how the integration and embodiment of consciousness is happening even through prison facility and everywhere. So he affirms <laughs> my belief in arts with this poetry and scene and my vision on this collective initiation we are part of. So I'm gonna share with you a short four minutes video which is an introduction. It's an unfinished, it's still in process. Uh, so I apologize for language that is not totally concluded. Um, but basically it's presenting uh, a call for a collective initiation and embodiment. And I call everyone um, and I offer support for groups and individuals to go through a process using the technique of SCORE that I learned from Anna Halprin, which happily I came across when I moved here and from my own process of self-initiation started in 2012. Moving here, it was kind of a thread that led me to HAIR and she invited me to be part of HAIR lab. Anna passed uh, to the new realms of existence um, in May 24, 2021, this year, at 100 years old. So she left me this gift of scoring and rights of initiation is the core of my process. So I invite anyone who is interested to be part or join um, one of the groups or make your own group. Uh, I know here is a very nested uh, group, which I love. 
I am here to support in whatever way I can. Uh, the goals of this process, uh, if it's a goal, is just to have a time and space where we can experience uh, the ever-presence orange origin and uh, in pure awareness. Um, as we move integrity with this awareness, we connect with the layers of reality as it is, in time as it is. And we embody the presence as we realize we are co-creating this experience reality. So I'm gonna share with you, not extending too much. Um, hope you enjoy. Can you see my video? Yes, we can. Thank you. Are you hearing the voice? No. No, we're not. Um, okay. Maybe when I need you to share, share. Yeah, when you share screen, um, you have to, um, well, actually, you'll have to stop okay. share and then go back in. Okay, and in the lower left-hand corner, there are two little boxes you have to check. One says something about sound, and the other one says optimize video or something. Video, yeah. One oh. is computer audio, right? Computer yes. audio. Yes. And then I'm going to share. Let's see if it's going to work now. Uh, also, optimize. There, there are two, two boxes to click on the lower left-hand. Optimize. Yeah. Yes. On the lower. Yes. Where is it? Let's see. Just a sec. Lower left. Uh, when you when you click on share screen and that uh -huh. white screen comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Low. Very bottom left corner. Ah, uh, optimize. Okay. Great. Okay. Yes. I got it. Okay. Perfect. Can you see the video? Yes. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then you let me know if you're hearing it. And individuals, people, the self can be born from those spaces in between the liminal, the subliminal, the ethereal. A liminal stage is a period of transition which permeates individual, collective, and social transitions. Individual and social hierarchies may be dissolved or liquefied. Individual or group's identity are questioned, softened, and dissolved. Future outcomes taken for granted are thrown into doubt. The axial age is an intersection between two ages. It's a liminal period when old certainties had lost their validity and new ones aren't ready to emerge. During the axial age, a new spiritual foundation of humanity and other species are laid simultaneously 
a crossing edge, a leap where every species needs to adapt to a new ways of seeing and being in relationship with the world, the great leap of being, an opportunity of spiritual awakening, a shift of perception from individual, society, and environmental values, an age of collective grief and enlightenment, reuniting parts, remembering things forgotten, the challenges we face today, global warming, oceans rising, glacial melting, big fires, animal mass extinction, the plague, the famine, politic polarization, depression, economical collapse, isolation. In this process of change, new forms of being are emerging. Death, rebirth, adaptation. How can we see 2020 as a pivotal time in the axial age of the rising of new consciousness? How it is manifested for us as individuals, collectives, and environment? I request a rite of initiation, a rite of passage for an axial age to leave the liminal and create the past liminal age. Can art and performance be a space of transformation, of consciousness, a threshold? Is pandemic and quarantine a liminal threshold? Where are we going after that? Who are you? How to shed the old skin of identity. Thank you for watching. I just want to bring um, the last commentary about the oh, how to say how to okay. Did I stop sharing my my videos? Is that stop? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So I just want to give the last commentary about the axial age. Um, it's a term uh, that I borrow from the German philosopher Karl Jasper. I'm just using that term. Thank you so much. If anyone wants to reach out and connect, um, I'd be happy to connect with you. Thank you, Casey. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, yeah, I I do think we have lost the art of initiation in Western culture, and uh, it it 
bringing it back would be very good. So keep up, keep up what you're doing. Um, Jeremy, would you like to handle the transition to your, your other um, local event? Sure, Lisa, and, and thank you, Casey. That was wonderful. Uh, I have more thoughts, but I'm gonna send you a note, uh, an email following up with you. Um, and if you if you are interested, please do share your contact information. Some folks are asking in, in the chat how to uh, connect with you. Okay, so uh, in just a couple of minutes, we're gonna, well, now I'm gonna be opening up the uh, Cosmo local portion, the afternoon session, the afternoon tapes. Um, technically hosted here in St. Petersburg, Florida, or at least from my room on Zoom. And uh, that link is right here in the chat. And um, you yeah. can just join us. Go to that one or not? Yes, um, feel free to just join in there as soon as I pop out of here. And we'll probably take about a fiver as we're streaming in, getting settled in, maybe doing a quick bio break. And then uh, Sam will be uh, presenting for us on, I, I, you know, Sam, we'll, we'll save it for them, but it's called Communal Reverie, Early Gropings Toward Imaginal A Perspectivity Through Interactive Imagination. And then we're going to conclude with an open discussion on the unthinkable present and just open invitation for anybody who wants to come join and chat about the conference. Um, it's been really, really fantastic. So um, thank you all and uh, hope to see you there. If, if anyone wants to just stay where you are, uh, uh, anybody that wishes just to hang out here where we are, uh, we'll hang out. Um, Jeremy, are you going to be recording yours? I think he's already gone. Oh, okay. I just Anyhow. wanted to say thank you, John and Lisa. Thank you so much. This was um, 